0: And visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your
3: host, Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope this week is treating you all... Splendidly, It is Cinco de Mayo. It is also three days away from Mother's Day. So while we are enjoying the Fight Week festivities this week and this weekend, shout out to all the moms out there, my beautiful wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, all the moms doing the damn thing, tip of the proverbial cap to you. But this week, BTL is going to be crazy. There's so much to talk about and I don't even know where to start. So let's get into it. Let's introduce the combatants because this particular matchup has been one of the most requested matchups on the show for the last year, easy. So let us introduce a man who has appeared on the prior iteration of the program, Pre MMA Fighting. Let us say hello to Sure Dogs, Benjamin Duffy. Ben, how are you, my man?
3: I am doing really well. Thank you for having me. It, it has been a couple of years. Uh, last time I underperformed, not my fault. I was drunk. Okay, it, it was my fault, but I'm just glad to have another chance.
2: There you go. And speaking of drunk, let's introduce the winner of last week's show. I'm just kidding. He's been a busy man <laughs> these days. In
3: fact,
2: <laughs> I'm just I mean, put it on a T, Jen. Boom. So he, along with our good friend GC, Connor Burks, they actually launched a brand new gambling pod- podcast in MMA Fightings podcasting network. It's called No Bets Bard. Let us say hello to the now sober Mr. No Gray Area. <laughs> That wow, was, I
4: sobered up quick. I'm like, I don't know where this, I'm being attacked by the host to start. It's because I got my own podcast. Are you now worried that I won't be here to help pick up the slack when your so-called champions refuse to even come defend their title? So you're just afraid that I'm going to go be doing my own thing. I'll never leave you, Mike. I'm always here for the fans because some people won't defend their belt. Not saying names, but you know, some people who are currently the champion not defending their belt. Are
2: you talking about Drake? Who, I mean, this, th- this is he currently the champion? He, Drake is currently the champion, and he chose to, to cover PFL instead of defend the title against you. So,
4: to paraphrase,
3: that,
4: that to nah. paraphrase PFL's own Kayla Harrison, you know, I'm not talking about him, but just letting him know, just letting him know. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. All right. Well, let's get after this thing. We're all sober here, by the way. We're all joking around. But let's uh, let's get into this because there's a million things to talk about. First, let's talk about the man of the hour, Tony Ferguson, who got after it himself at Media Day yesterday. He went full flamethrower on the UFC, on Dana White, on pretty much everybody, even comparing Dana White to a drug dealer, the UFC to a bunch of drug dealers it was uh it was tony ferguson's festivus jed michu what did you think of it
4: i mean it's weird i've never liked tony (laughs) i've just never been a big tony guy he's totally unique to the space so that's good for him but it's just very weird for him to be saying this when he like recently signed an extension with the company (laughs) so like what does what does any of this mean if you also willingly came back up to this? You know, like are you just mad that they're the one they're selling you the ditch weed and you just want the pre you don't want the stepped on stuff? Like, I don't I don't really know what's happening here, but I'm pumped for the press conference because that'll just be really exciting to see because tony he'll keep that same energy i'm sure when dana's like over his shoulder and then it's just he's gonna get asked about it it's gonna be super awkward and hilarious so if nothing else it's added that bit of a bright spot to this fight week and to a fight that otherwise i hate every facet about it because i don't like the two men competing
2: Uh, more, more on that in a moment, but Ben, your, your overall thoughts on El Kakui flipping the chair around AC Slater style, saying what's up effers to, the, to all the media members, and then just going all El Kakui on the microphone.
3: I agree with Jed that he's, he is a unique personality, but this tantrum is the least unique thing ever. Uh, so many UFC fighters finally speak up when they're in the last act of their career. But when you, when you want to look for the ones that are actually in their prime or approaching their prime and still have most of their earning power and speak up, they're few and far between. They're John Jones, Francis Ngannou, obviously Conor McGregor stood up to the company a few times. But for fighters that are on the downslope to be like, oh, man, this company has treated me like shit, like my whole career, but, you know, let me sign back up like a battered domestic partner, that's not unique at all. Like, and they don't even have to be title-level fighters. Like, look at Jeremy Stevens acting surprised that he was cut. He's like, I thought we were cool. You weren't cool. None of you guys are cool with the UFC. You're a fungible, expendable product. Not unique. Welcome to the club, Tony.
2: We'll go back to what this could all mean in a moment, but, uh, Ben, I want to talk about the actual it means fight. nothing. And I know Jed is excited about this. <laughs> because, now listen, we have, we have two guys who have lost a combined five straight fights against the division's best fighters. Ferguson hasn't fought since the Darius loss a year ago. Chandler went through that war. Justin Gaethje, exciting fight on paper. Very interesting matchup. What's at stake for these two guys, Ben? What, what is on the line here?
3: A paycheck. Th- that's it. Because of the fights they've lost in particular, neither of these guys is super close to the, to the title picture, even if they win. Both guys are on the downslope athletically. So, yeah, there's a paycheck at stake and bragging rights. That's about it.
2: Jed, Tony Ferguson hasn't won a round in almost three years, and it's not like he's losing. He is getting the doors blown off of him. He is getting run over by all of these guys. Michael Chandler seconds away from winning the title. He had actually had Gaethje in a little bit of trouble in the first round at 268. Chandler's exciting. He could sell a fight. I have a feeling he could be a UFC guy for a very long time, win or lose. But Ben said something interesting. Neither guy is close to a title fight. And from a meritocratic standpoint, he's not lying. But what if Tony Ferguson goes out and wins this fight, Jed? Let's just say in a weird world, here's how I think the fight could potentially go. Chandler hurts Ferguson early. Ferguson survives. He battles back, and he finishes Chandler in the third with something weird and crazy. Does he somehow get right back in the mix? Because this is not Bellator. This is the UFC. If you look at our website and our YouTube numbers, Tony Ferguson has like 400,000 YouTube views just on his media day alone. The guy's got backing from the fan base they all love him he may looked too far fo- looked at too fondly by the UFC right now but it would be kind of hard to ignore Tony's popularity right like what is a win especially if he does it impressively and finishes with something crazy what does this do for him
4: I don't know honestly like he's not getting a title fight off it I have no idea how popular Tony Ferguson is like straight up, like he might be sort of popular, I guess, but also like that video. In my mind, that video is just doing gangbusters because he essentially called the UFC like Marlo Stanfield, or whatever. Like that's 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 pretty great clickbait. Like yeah, this guy sells drugs. That's 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 gonna get the attention of people. I don't know if it's just because people are into the whole Tony B and Tony thing. I don't feel like that's the case, but should i could be wrong uh so i don't think a win a win doesn't get him a title fight i think the other's way more true michael chandler's much closer to a title fight outside of the fact that he hasn't lost to both men who are competing this weekend for the title he's only lost to one of them um actually no i guess that's untrue that he is did, incorrect in fact, I've told, uh, they both have lost to both the dudes <laughs> haven't they shit well look at that mma wonderful world my bad Uh, still his fights were much more competitive than, uh, Tony Ferguson's (laughs) fights were, you know, almost won the belt and then, uh, fight of the year with Justin Gaethje. So both of those are much more easy to sell as, as replays. Uh, and you know, they put a lot of money in him and also he didn't just call Dana White a drug dealer so that probably gets him a lot more you know goodwill <laughs> amongst the ufc brass so for me i think chandler a win here will put him you know i don't remember what we've got him ranked i think the ufc still has him in the inner near the top five a win will keep him there uh and then you know he can fight i don't know dustin poirier though i don't think poirier's probably that interested in it. Uh, He can find a fight that can get him into a title bout. Whereas Ferguson, I, maybe he could, but I feel like he probably needs two, two wins on top of a Chandler win. So, uh, but uh, you know, since he, he has re-signed with the company, obviously that's in play. And just for the (laughs) sake of saying it, you're right. Tony Ferguson hasn't won a round in three years and that doesn't bode well for him, but he's also fought a lot of people who don't suck and he's about to fight somebody who sucks, so he might win rounds in this fight. So that's always helpful, you know. You want to get your career back on track, fight somebody who sucks, and I will go to my grave believing Michael Chandler sucks.
2: Wow, Ben, your reaction to uh, to this Michael Chandler bashing here? Are you are, are you with Jed here, or can you can you sell Michael Chandler to him?
3: I don't know if I can sell Michael Chandler to this man. I don't think he's always sucked. I mean, the guy is a spectacular athlete. He's still a plus athlete. He, uh, outstanding wrestler. He hits like a truck. I mean, there are ways he sucks. I'm sure, but yeah, in the cage, he's not a bad dude and he's really still only losing to the best of the best. I mean, I guess he sucks as like maybe a black history month icon. That, that wasn't a a great way to to switch him forward, but
4: he is among the worst of those. So that's fair, but no, he just sucks. I just—he just sucks. I don't—I can't explain it. I just know that he sucks, and everyone will hopefully find it out soon because he'll go on an eight-fight losing streak. But you know. I can't
3: argue with the ineffable suckiness of of Michael Chandler. You know,
4: it's just there. It's just there. He got knocked out by by a bantamweight. Pit, <laughs> Pitbull is a featherweight. That's that's actually a bantamweight, and he got obliterated by Michael. Chandler. Like Michael Chandler obliterated him. So he sucks and I'm going to believe that forever and you can't – no one can change my mind. Mike, quit trying to change me. There are people I don't like in this sport for no reason other than I don't like them. And Michael Chandler and Brian Ortega and Stipe Miocic, they all suck and I'm going to believe that forever and you can't take it away from me.
3: That is one hell of a mixed bag right there.
4: No, that bag is all very it's, – it's uniform. That is a monochromatic bag of suck.
3: No, that's like that's I
2: love like a VK, when all these so. names are on the show. When all these names are mentioned on this program, th- these are my favorite Jed Mishu episodes. That's why we started the round with Michael Chandler talk because I knew he'd get off to a to a fast. Oh, car. young
4: millionaire! I would absolutely tell them that because what are they going to do? Hit me? I, just so you're aware, I've had my ass beat plenty of times. Like it's not <laughs> it's not that bad to get beat up, and they wouldn't do it because they're professional athletes and would get their- sued. So like. Tell them that to their face. I don't care. <laughs> they would beat me up. I'm, I'm not saying that they are not better fist fighters than I am. What are we talking about here?
2: <laughs> we are off I'm to sorry. a rambunctious start here on this Thursday. Of course, we can talk about title implications <laughs> all we want, but the championship of that division is on the line in the main event, the second of two title fights. I feel like it's time to move on to the two title fights. We will discuss those next, but the point for round one goes to... He's not here for a long time, but he's here for a good time. Ben Duffy, it's on the board. It is one to nothing.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov.
2: By the way, since it's been a while since Ben's been on the show, it's a whole different program than the last time he was on. If we kind of just change this up in the last year, these points, they're kind of just for fun. The real judging, it comes from all of you watching this program, the guys and the gals. (laughs) There should be a poll in the link here. If not, there will be. So you could vote for who you think the winner will be at the end of this. You know, we're scoring it as a whole kind of like pride rules. We're just giving points just to kind of separate the topics. But uh, we're just getting started here. How about we do another round on Michael Chandler, Jed? How about that? Okay. No, we're not going to do that. Let's talk Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje, though, because the lightweight championship is on the line. Main event. I love this fight. It's really interesting. And what's so unique about this fight, Ben Duffy, is that if you asked a dozen MMA fans... About how they believe this fight's gonna go. You might get half saying Oliveira is going to run Justin Gacy over. Betting community seems to to look at it that way. But the other half thinks that Gacy's just going to run through Charles Oliveira. There's no this is gonna be a really close competitive fight. It's either one dude is gonna run through one the other guy, or vice versa. That's what I've seen. It's like half the community is overlooking one guy, the other half overlooking the other guy. So I don't know what you've seen, Ben, but do you think one fighter is being overlooked more than the other here? And just your overall thoughts on the matchup itself?
3: I will say this. Normally when you kind of take the fan perspective, take the the temperature fans like on Twitter, for example, on a high stakes fight, there's always an excluded middle. Like there's always, everyone's thinking that fighter A is just gonna run through fighter B or vice versa. Here, I kind of agree. I don't think this is going to be a great fight. I'm not saying I'm dead sure which fighter is going to destroy the other, but I don't think this thing goes outside of two rounds. Uh, I I think I'm leaning towards Oliveira, but if Gaethje wins, I think it's going to be quick, and I think it's going to be one-sided. And and conversely, you know, if DeBronx wins, I think it's going to be quick and brutal. So I I kind of agree here. You know, I've, I've got that casual take. Oh, it's going to look easy. I'm just not sure which guy is going to make it look easy yet.
2: Jed, how do you like the fight? Is anyone being grossly overlooked here? And why are you overlooking Charles Oliveira once again?
4: The fight rules. I'm not overlooking Charles Oliveira at all. Picking against him, that's not overlooking him. I just think Justin Gaethje is going to win. But I totally see a world in which he doesn't, and I think this is a great matchup. Like, I'm with Ben in a lot of, of on this just because this will probably be a one-way traffic fight either way. Either Charles Oliveira can score takedowns, and if he does, he's going to submit Justin Gaethje, or he can't, and then he is going to get his brain bashed in by the trucks that Justin Gaethje carries around that he calls fists. That's just sort of how – that's the dynamic of the fight, right? Like if you told anyone coming into this, all right, what will be the outcome of the takedowns? Everybody would unanimously agree, however that went. Gechi will give up takedowns. He loses. He won't. He wins. Like no one thinks Charles Oliveira is going to win a kickboxing match with him because he won't. So it probably will be one-way traffic. But I can see a world where this is not a competitive back-and-forth fight with a deep well of adjustments, but where – like the Michael Chandler fight, where it can be a – the tide can be shifted quickly and and finitely, right? So like I could see a world where Gechi sprawls him out in the first round, chops down the leg, hammers hammers Oliveira, has Oliveira hurt and all sorts of trouble, but can't quite finish or get saved by the bell. And then the second round, Oliveira just scores a takedown and taps him. Or vice versa. I can see Oliveira hustling Gaethje on the floor, but not quite being able to finish. And in the second round, Gaethje just come out and clobbers him. Like I can see it being one, one way or the other, but I think once somebody really gets that to that level, to, to whatever the precipice is, then it's just a full downhill slide. So it can be fun. There can be exchanges, but I would be stunned if this went to the final scorecards and it probably does finish inside the first three rounds, if not the first two.
2: You know, I wasn't going to ask this Jed, but I'm going to do it anyways. Cause I'm, I'm curious to get your reaction to this because one of the things that has been brought up quite a bit, I talked to John Anik about this, is that, and he's seen this quite a bit, especially this week in general, comparing legacies, comparing resumes between Charles Oliveira and Habib Nurmagomedov. Now we understand Habib is twenty nine and zero, but Oliveira's got the longevity. If he wins it, he's got the same. If he goes out there and finishes Justin Gaethje, he's got the same names on the resume to close up the career that Habib had when he pretty much wrapped up his entire career. Is Charles Oliveira close to Habib in this conversation in terms of like greatest lightweights in the world and and stuff like that? Like, is this is this a a comparable thing between these two guys, or are we just way too soon on that?
4: I don't think so, but I'm not. You know, lightweight's such a clustered division; it has such a spotty history and so little long term dominance that if you want to make the case you know, I can't definitively say you're wrong. For me, it, it wouldn't be close though for a number of reasons. The first being, uh, I mean, we just kind of want to gloss over it, but Charles Oliveira has lost like a lot and to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. <laughs> and so like, that's, that has to count for something even if, you know, so if you're, if you're putting him above Habib, you are basically discounting the fact that he lost a bunch. Like, and that's okay if that's how you wanna you wanna score it or grade it. Like, that's a reasonable take, but it's not uh, to me. I can't do that. And the second thing, the biggest thing to me is uh, for Habib. Frankly, he was a little bit a victim of circumstance in some ways. Where this dude was the best lightweight in the world for like six years, probably. And he only got the belt at the very end because Conor McGregor existed and the UFC entirely bent their business model to his will and really screwed it up. But basically, from the moment RDA won the belt after having gotten run over by Habib, it was very evident, oh, he's the best fighter in the world. Yeah, that dude that he would have beat the crap out of Anthony Pettis and there at the time, like that was a fight that could have happened but injury sort of set it back so he's the best fighter in the world for i don't know six seven years in the deepest best division in the world and undefeated for his entire career and all of that amounts to more than a really great run not here to take anything away from charles oliver's run but a really great run and i will take just to end because i'm already just lighting the people on fire i want everyone to hate me this week <laughs> So I decided I'm going to add, I am going to take something away from Oliveira. Uh, this is his first title defense. He was not the champion until he beat Dustin Poirier. Absolutely the champion, but I'm sorry. The UFC giving you a belt when you number three beat number four, Michael Chandler. That's just a fake belt. Like that's the paperiest of belts that I've ever seen in the UFC, frankly, uh, Beating Poirier, this is his first title defense and I also value some more of those. So maybe if he beats Poirier here and then beats Islam, if he beats Poirier and beats Islam, sure. That then it's a real conversation, but until that happens, it's not for me.
2: All right, Ben, what do you think? Is there a discussion to be had here? Or are we, uh, are we nowhere near that yet?
3: There's absolutely discussion to be had. Uh, Nurmagomedov will always get a certain amount of shine because of that undefeated record people love the zero I mean think of how differently we think of Khabib Nurmagomedov and Alex Volkanovski just because Volkanovski has one meaningless win at welterweight early in his career Uh, we we give a lot of credence to being undefeated but Nurmagomedov was only fighting the best of the best for like the last eight fights of his career starting with the RDA fight, honestly, like RDA to the end of his career, eight fights all against top level people. And he won the title and defended it a number of times during that time. Charles Oliveira fought twice as many times during that same period of time as Khabib. Was he fighting fighting the best of the best? Yes, he was. (laughs) He was fighting better opposition for longer. Of course he lost some fights. Because for one thing- He He lost all the good opposition
4: he fought to earlier. Every good featherweight he fought, he got freaking rolled by. He lost in weird ways to, to which, good uh, which Which good featherweight did he beat? Hatsu
3: Tapping out Hatsu was a hell of an op. Uh, a hell of that, an that's what I'm saying.
4: That, that is his best win at featherweight, in my opinion. You know,
3: dude, he, he beat Jeremy Stevens, who was cool with the UFC and surprised when they let him go.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean... You've, you've got me by the short and curlies there.
3: All right, hey, <laughs> but... I mean, Even during the same kind of, yeah, like his run at lightweight, he's he's fought and beaten roughly the, the same level of opposition as Khabib. And we're asking about the greatest lightweight, not featherweight. So, you know, losing to Anthony Pettis and Max Holloway shouldn't, or to Max Holloway anyway, shouldn't really matter.
4: Yeah, I just think I disagree with that statement on the lightweight thing. Like, he beat, he... Through no fault of his own, mind you. This is not his fault, but he beat Tony Ferguson after Tony had already gotten whooped on by Gaethje. He beat Michael Chandler, who, as we mentioned, sucks. And he beat Dustin Poirier after Poirier had already gotten whooped on by Habib. And Kevin Lee is, you know, struggling to beat Diego Sanchez in the UFC. It's, I, I don't know, man. I need a lot more from him. And that's maybe it is just because he doesn't have the O. Maybe that's it. But well,
3: maybe we find out because if he defends here, beats Islam Makachev and cuts one hell of a promo. I think that's the only way we get Khabib back into the UFC.
4: No, I think Habib's coming back anyway.
3: Why would he I've come back lo- if Islam's the champ at the end of the year?
4: Uh, I have long believed that Habib is going to Michael Jordan this thing because the similarities are eerily there. And he retired for very similar reasons to Michael Jordan's retirement. And it is, I thought that was Tony. Is, is that why Michael Jordan <laughs> retired? Uh, I don't believe that was the real impetus for Michael Jordan's retirement, but I think he's just around the sport enough and be like, eh, sure, I'll come back and beat. I, I think he's going to do the GSP when he comes back, though, and just try and take the welterweight strap. So. But, I mean, I'm all in for if if Islam loses to to Chucky Olives, he won't. Islam's going to murk Charles Oliveira, which is the – that's the other big blocker for me here on this too is like I am so confident that Islam runs up (laughs) Chucky Olives that it's hard for me to say that he's the the GOAT lightweight when like that dude's just going to beat him (laughs) and that dude's 80% of Habib, so I just can't say he's the best. But if he does – like I said at the start, if he beats Gaethje this weekend and if he beats Islam, then we can have a real conversation about it. But until those two things, for me, if you want to do it, that's on you guys. That's, I can't tell you how to live your lives, but for me, it will be <laughs> Habib until that happens.
2: All right. Well, I like it. Good little spirit here. Let's talk about the Strawweight title because that is on the line as well. Because no Home one event. else is talking about it. Well, I I mean, listen, Rose Dominguez, Carlos Barca too. It should be getting a little bit more of a rub, if we're being honest. But uh, we'll get more in depth in the actual breaking down of the fights on the preview show. Jed's columns. Jed had a betting show. He's broken it down. Ben, I know you've done one for this card as well. But I did want to bring up something that Rose did say at the media day yesterday, Jed, because Rose, on her own accord... Said something that we don't hear her say all that, that often because normally she just kind of backs away from these types of discussions. She's very humble, but she basically came out and said, Right now, I'm the best straw weight in the world. I might be the best all time. Not sure if I need to do more, but this legacy, her being in that spot seems to mean a lot more to her than I thought it would. So heading into this fight, Jed, is Rose Namunis the best straw weight of all time right now?
4: No. She's probably going to retire as that, but she's not it right now. Like, you've worked with me long enough. I really value title defenses. I think it's the thing that is the most difficult thing to do in the sport because winning, honestly, doesn't really matter who you're fighting, beating anybody that is trying, that is a professional fighter, trying to knock you unconscious or submit you or whatever is really difficult. And doing that time over time is really difficult and doing that when you're the one with everything to lose and they're the one with everything to gain. It's functionally impossible. I value title defenses more than just about anything in the sport. I think it's, I frankly think having five title defenses is way more impressive than winning a second belt. And Rose doesn't have that yet. Like she's, you know, she, she got won the belt, lost the belt. Um, She has reclaimed it and, looked looked very good in that rematch with Wiley Zhang but I need I need to see her defend a title multiple times and I think she's going to get there like I said at the start I think she will get there at the end but for me on Anjajic is clearly the best strawweight that's ever been because she won the belt and had it for however many years that was for I think um and so six, seven title defenses. I can't remember quite off the top of my head. And that's just the most difficult thing. I know Rose beat her, uh, beat her twice, uh, but it's head. These things aren't head to heads in that way. Like it's, I would rather, I would personally, if you were saying I could have one of these two careers, <sighs> I want the career of the one person who has six plus title defenses and reign for multiple years, as opposed to the person who has just won two. Again, I think Rose is going to get there, but right now she's not for me.
2: Ben, do you think she's there yet? And if she isn't, what does she need to do to get there?
3: I think Jed Mishu is off his damn rocker here. The unique thing about the strawweight division in the UFC is that it's been around for seven and a half years. There have been five champs, and those five champs are still the top five women in the division right now. And they've been fighting each other in a giant round robin. Rose Nami Yunus is five and two against the others. She is two and zero against Jan Jacek. She's two and zero against Zhang. She's one and one against Andraj. She She's 0 and one against Esparza
4: and two against Andrade. Though, like, let's let's be honest about that.
3: There's a discussion <laughs> to be had. She's zero and one against Esparza, and they're about to rematch. I like title reigns, but ultimately head to head results trump everything. If we don't count those. Like, the rest of this is just speculation. And, yeah, in this giant round robin that's going on, like, she is clearly the, the one that's ahead of everyone else. And of everybody in that group, she's the one that might actually not even be in her prime yet. I think Rose, she, Nami Yunus is already, like, the greatest strawweight uh, of all time. And I think if you asked Chek what she'd rather have, five straight title defenses, or to have, like, actually beaten Nami Yunus even once, I think she'd probably take beating Nama Yunus and not being 0 and 2 against her.
4: Now who the hell is off their rocker? Hey, <laughs> Dude, if we gave Nama you that Yunus. second, if we gave you that second no, fight, no. If that, second fight <laughs> if that second fight, if that second fight, we were like, we'll just give you the judges scorecards and you can have that, but we're going to take away all of your title defenses. And you think on <laughs> a champion would take that. You're the man who's clearly off their rocker. Like that's, that's categorically insane. And look, If you want to, like I said, if you want to have Rose as your goat, that's fine. There are plenty of arguments for it, but I don't know. I think it's weird to have a goat who's defended a belt literally one time successfully. (laughs) That's a very strange thing for me when you have someone who's defended it multiple times. And as much as you tried to sort of breeze past the, they're still the five, that is really more a testament to this division and sort of where it stands in the primes of their career. Because yes, Rose is only 29, whereas Joanna's. 34 and probably outside the prime and frankly was probably outside the prime of her career when they fought the first time. And that, that all, that all takes into account for me again. I think Rose is going to have that title at the end of it because I think she's going to have a good run right now, but it's just like in tennis, I have no idea if you're a tennis guy, Ben, but like it's the Federer and Nadal versus Djokovic. Like Djokovic is probably going to go down as the greatest tennis player of all time. Cause he was really good, but is also like ten years younger than the other two goats who were playing at the same time as him. So he just had more time to run that from him. And that's that maybe that's just and fair, but it's not totally how I can can view things right now.
3: Do you think you wanna beat Rose on clay?
4: Ooh. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, you know, that clay is a much trickier surface for, for Rose to kind of keep that range with, so I could see things happening here. Also, we're doing a lot of talk and as if she's going to run through Carlos Barza and I'm picking her to beat Carlos Barza, but there's a very real world where Carlos Barza makes everyone who thinks Rose is the goat look like a huge asshole on Saturday night. Like that's a very plausible existence.
3: It's plausible, but I only had a goat. I didn't have a rock, paper and scissors to hold up to the camera. So I didn't even want to talk about that
4: possibility. See, but we've got like five of them too, because again, Andrade beat Rose twice in my opinion and Joanna just stomped all over Andrade so it's but then you've also got Carla and you've got Wiley Zhang it's very I don't know what like a five headed rock paper scissors is it's like a merry-go-round and Rose is like one of the one of the better up the courses that's better up kept you know it's not like the old falling down one that you're trying to knock it on but I don't know if she's the best horse right now
2: Fair enough. Uh, last thing, this has been uh, quite the round. This, I'm, I'm just going to ask this because I think it would be a fun little conversation, but I think if you look at it on paper as a, from a casual perspective, I think this seems a lot easier than the people who watch this from, you know, week in, week out, hardcore fans, if you will. So it might not be as simple for, for those folks. So Ben, I'm going to start with you. Which other main card fight on Saturday do you feel will have the more memorable result? Shogun OSP two or Cerrone versus Lozon.
3: <laughs> oh, I, Oh, I,
4: you're a bad person, Mike.
3: I have no idea why the UFC is choosing to fill up the twilight of Shogun's career with rematches. Like why have him spend the last three years of his career fighting people? He's already fought basically any outcome in that fight. is just going to be depressing. Cerrone versus Lozon. This is a fight that is literally eight years past its best buy date. Uh like it's probably gonna be a memorable like tapping out of Shogun by OSP with like some weird like you know Americana or shoulder choke and memorable for bad reasons. So yeah. Now I'm sad. Jad, can you can you brighten us up a little bit?
4: If OSP taps Shogun, I am going to go lay down in traffic. (laughs) That's going to be so disappointing. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. I actually think Shogun has a real chance to win that fight. And if Shogun does, that's clearly the most memorable. But it's not the most likely outcome. I guess the most likely one is for the Cerrone. Um, You know, I'm going to throw it back. The Cerrone, Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon fight. Um,
3: Jamie Varner has entered the chat.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Just Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon, because... One, I think uh, that fight is probably just more, f- it's definitely more fun <laughs> than the light heavyweights, uh, even if both men are on the scorched side of cooked. Uh, but Lozon is still a really, he, you know, he's a barnstormer and Cerrone's still a slow starter. So there's like a world where Lozon just runs over him <laughs> in three minutes, and that'd be really cool. <laughs> so, uh, and will be less depressing than watching Shogun and OSP. I think there's a real opportunity for that fight to like be a bad decision, (laughs) which is because booking the fight was
3: a bad decision.
4: Well, uh, I meant, I meant like a, like a decision outcome because, (laughs) because OSP doesn't really throw punches anymore. And Shogun is 500 years old and they both have the cardio to last about three and a half minutes. And this could just get (laughs) like, ugly this could be at the the heavyweight of light heavyweight fights and that nobody needs that in their life
3: agreed uh osp is (laughs) a heavyweight at light heavyweight at this point and he has put forth some of the worst demonstrations of cardio i've ever seen outside of the heavyweight division in like a top 20 ish fighter like his second fight with krillov is pretty much the worst cardio i've ever seen like from a non-heavyweight in the ufc
4: that's bad
2: So at least the UFC can thank us for selling, giving them like 400,000 more pay-per-view buys just on this show, because you guys are really getting people rolling and, uh, and I love it. We're the main card is going to be off to a great start. Just like this show has been off to a great start. The point for round two goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. Yay. It's one-to-one. You already heard the speech before, Ben. Um, but anyways, people want to see Jed back in the suit and tie, so I'm just throwing that out there, Jed. If you want to be a champion, you got to dress like a champion. You got to take that Charles Oliveira championship aura Jed, with I'm you past, into the BTL virtual arena.
4: I'm past belts and titles. I'm that's I, I no longer I'm I'm the Conor McGregor here. I don't concern myself with titles. I'm just you know just doing whatever. Or I guess maybe Chris Cyborg's more notable for having recently been like I don't really care. I just kind of want to do whatever.
2: Uh, it's an hey. interesting uh, interesting comparison there but I do uh, let's get into this. I wasn't gonna bring this up. I have like a million things we could talk about, but I'm just gonna do this because I got so many questions about it and so many people asking about it so let's just get after it. We got two guys just on a roll right now so let's do it because this whole screenshot thing has made my week personally absolutely insane. The interview between Dana White and the pivot, And it wasn't because of the actual cream puff conversation that was had between the pivot folk and Dana White. It was because of the screenshots that appeared on social media from inside the hallowed UFC war room when Dana entered the offices. We confirmed pretty much every fight that we saw on the UFC 276 side of that board. Adesanya Candare, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on Heck of a Morning, very close to being done. Wouldn't be shocked if they announced that on the broadcast on Saturday. But... (laughs) There was one fight on the board that got everybody talking. Nate Diaz versus Hamzat Shemayev, Jed Mishu. What was your first reaction to seeing those two names on the board next to one another?
4: I tweeted my first reaction, and I think it's like the most successful tweet I've ever had. Uh, my reaction is the same that it's been for, I don't know, six months, a year, however long it is that that's been like a fight being thrown out. Uh Nate wants to leave the UFC and the UFC doesn't want to let him leave. And because the UFC has draconian dog shit contracts, they have the ability to (laughs) not let him leave by basically offering him fantasy fights that he will never accept and just relocking him in for another six month turn until he finally agrees to, fight Dustin Poirier for no money or they get the Connor rematch that they are very clearly, in my opinion, just trying to get the third Connor fight. So that happens under the UFC umbrella and not outside of that in like two years. Uh and so if they are offering him Chamaev, I think Nate should take it. I think I think the shortest possible outcome for the best possible outcome for Nate is to get out from the UFC contract. He can make substantial amounts of money uh boxing Jake Paul and probably Logan Paul. Hell, who cares? And doing all sorts of other things with people who will, will be more willing to cater to his eccentricities. And it's not like he wants to fight like eight times a year or anything. Like he just he wants to kind of fight occasionally, get a big paycheck, move on. And so he just he needs to go do that and make that happen the fastest way possible. Because at some point the Jake Paul train will will go away like at some point jake paul is going to lose and nate diaz needs to fight him before that happens preferably to really maximize that money so accept the jamiah fight i have also long i think you can just straight up accept it fight the fight move on no one's going to care the outcome of it but as i've said on this very program the funniest outcome is for him to accept that fight do everything he's going to do walk into the cage as soon as the bell sounds corner throws in the towel oh i lost completed my contract light up a joint and roll on out of that thing like i think everybody i i <laughs> argued for aj mckee to do the same damn thing and w- look how that turned out if aj had done that that would have been a much better outcome than losing that gar <laughs> performance fight to pitbull if he had just been like oh i want to get out of here tap 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 i'm done way better outcome nate should do the same it's a legendary move. It would solidify him if he even needs it. And I don't think he does. He's obviously solidified as a legend to the people who love him, but it would solidify that his whole aura, everything about him. And it would get him out of the contract and get him on to the, to the business he wants to be doing. So that's my reaction. And I will believe that until the day I die again, I'm a man. I I have Hills and I'm dying on them today. Mike.
2: You are no gray areas back. None back in our lives it has got new shows, new shows. He's, he's standing on those hills. He's singing. He's yelping. He's like a Ricola commercial right now, and I'm loving every second of it. Ben, your reaction to this, because my reaction was, it doesn't matter who Nate fights. Like, I know people were like, oh, my God, Nate's just going to get run over. This is dumb. This is stupid. Whatever. Nate just Nate just saying yes to this fight puts him over. It puts him over. He already has the buzz that no matter what happens, he's a gangster for fighting Hamzat Shemaev when very few others would. Not Neil Ma- we know Neil Magny would have. We know Leon Edwards would have. We know Gilbert Burns just did. So it's not like we-, we could throw that narrative out the window. But at least for Nate, like him just saying yes and fighting him will be enough to put him over and give him the rub. Obviously if it goes out and wins it's just absolutely ridiculous what a moment that would be but how did you react to this whole situation what did you think of of seeing that on the board
3: I does he need to be any more over at this point he's a known quantity you either love the guy hate him or just don't care about him but he's not this isn't going to get him over with anybody this is and I see it as the UFC either trying to force his hand or trying to damage his brand as much on the way out the door. Kind of like, I don't know, matching Tito Ortiz up with Leo Machida in his uh, in, in the last fight in his contract, knowing he was leaving. So just trying to like you know shit on his brand a little bit. But whether you love or hate Diaz, his brand is it's no longer contingent on winning all of his fights. Like his, his star power is impervious to his week in week. Well, I say week in week out his once every 18 months fight results. Uh, So yeah, I think it would be hilarious. And one hell of a a power move if we just went, went in and threw the towel in immediately, maybe just go full, like do a Gracie train on, on the way out, you know, just make it feel like uh, a, was a UFC (laughs) three or something.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That would be really funny. (laughs) He would never do that, but that would be really funny.
3: (laughs) Uh, I think it would be fine if he went out and got absolutely slaughtered by Shemayev. I think it'd be fine if he went out and put up a valiant fight and just ended up losing to him. The forgotten man in all this is Shemayev. Like, is, is that really what's going to keep him occupied through the end of this year is, is a fight with Nate Diaz. I was of the opinion that the UFC was rushing him into title contention too quickly. Uh, Relative to the to his actual accomplishments in the cage, not the eyeball test. Obviously, he has all the look of a future champ, but he still doesn't need the lateral to downward move that would be uh, fighting Nate Diaz in terms of competitive value right now.
2: It's not a secret at this point that, like we mentioned, Adesanya, Cannonier, all but done the headline that card on July second. We just confirmed Volkanovsky versus Holloway three. Verbals are in place for that card, for that fight to happen. So that's probably your main and co-main event. We already confirmed pretty much every other fight on the card at this point. That one, notwithstanding, it's coming together nicely, it seems. But Ben, having said all of these things, that's right, baby. What are the chances this fight actually happens? One to ten. That we see Hamzat Shemaev versus Nate Diaz actually fight each other. In July or any time within the next six months,
3: anytime between now and forever. If one is least likely, I'd put it at about a two and a half. I don't think it's going to happen. Why? If I had to guess, the like the UFC like starts just furiously like leaking that they've offered it t- to diaz and he denies it and we just get the kind of usual ufc tries to strong arm a fighter into taking a fight with you know like leaked you know from sources uh, contract
4: offers or leaked or but not. it's don't on diaz fight. not taking it.
2: if you don't want to fight you don't have to fight right jed does
4: this fight actually yeah. happen you think it happens Dude, no come on like <laughs> t- i'm supposed to bet on nate diaz fighting somebody come on never. No, that's a that's a sucker's bet every time <laughs> like it's the sheer amount of times nate pump fakes these two fight is like whatever and sure many of those i'm sure he wanted to or something happened but if you just always bet against nate diaz fighting you're you're gonna come out ahead more often than not so uh, and in this particular instance, I think he just really doesn't have any interest in fighting Hamza Chamaev for whatever reason. And so he, I think he's going to try and hold his ground for Poirier, even though a fight's never going to happen. Um, so I, I don't know. This is probably the true outcome here is they probably are just going to get Nate versus Connor three like next summer or some dumb shit like that
0: well
2: we'll see what happens that one like i said it threw a lot of people for a little bit of a loop but let us move on because we still have many more topics to hit and we're all just we're just going to mesh everything into one fun round point for round three goes to jed bishu two to one Again, by the way, this is all pomp and circumstance. These points are just for fun. We're tr- they're transitionary periods. And if we're being <laughs> honest, when I put the podcast together, I know when to actually put in the commercial breaks. That's why we do this. Again,
4: That's an important you guys,
2: that's an important thing, right, Chad?
4: I learned that that's important.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So you guys decide who wins, okay? You guys decide who wins. You vote in the poll. All right. The potpourri Whoa. round. Okay. We're just going to potpourri this thing. We're going to get a whole mix of different topics. Don't More worry about poopery. it. I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there. All right. Let's start here. Jed Mishu, you go first. Cheeto Vera just had himself quite a performance against Rob Font. Five round beating, gets it done. You scored it. I'm not, you scored it 49 43 god bless your soul maybe that's another hill you're gonna die on but we're not here to talk about that we're not here to talk about the past we're here to talk about the future you have the magic pencil for the ufc's bantamweight division cheeto vera versus blank is next
4: oh man that is really tough uh i hate his jose aldo call out i think that's very dumb and stupid and was a bad call out for a number of reasons uh, and that's not what I would book partly because I think I would book Aldo in the title fight. So if I'd book Aldo in the title fight, um, I really do like the idea of Piotr Jan, but I also like the idea of Piotr Jan versus Marab Valashvili. So that's, that's tricky. Um, but at the end of the day, I actually just don't really care about Marab. I think he's very good, but whatever. So give me Piotr Jan, uh, because that fire, that fight, Piotr Jan and Cheeto, that's, that fight's a banger. So that I'm I'm all I'm all for bangers, and that's a certified grade A premium plus banger.
2: Ben Cheeto Vera versus Blank.
3: I it was on me to write the matches to make column for sure dog. Like immediately after that event, I actually said uh, Vera versus Jan as well. A couple of reasons for that. I agree that Aldo should be next. He's on a three fight win streak that includes both Font and Vera. So that's you know c- kind of trumps whoever and, won.
4: And he's a, Jose Font. friggin Aldo.
3: He's Jose friggin' Aldo. He's he's probably the greatest fighter of all time. And former champs always have uh, a shortcut back to title contention, even outside of the division where they really stake their claim. And it keeps the UFC from trying to make a trilogy fight with Sterling and Jan immediately. Gives that a little more time to marinate. All those reasons, and that it would be an absolute banger of a fight. So yeah, put me down for Vera versus Jan as well.
2: Can't go wrong here. You can't go wrong. I like go idea. Wrong. Oh no, that's the way to go wrong.
4: there's no way to go wrong. I like the call. That call makes more sense than Jose Aldo does. Put putting Dominic Cruz in fights is the way to go wrong. Just don't Jeez that guys. man needs to not fight anyone because I don't like him either.
2: <laughs> Let's move on. Hey Ben, guess what's going on tomorrow? Bellator's gonna oh. be in Paris. We got Bellator 280. The Bellator Heavyweight Championship is on the line in a rematch between Ryan Bader and Chuck Congo. Now, I have to say, Ben, when this fight was first announced, it puzzled a lot of people. They had their face off. And then I interviewed Chuck Congo like three days later, and he completely sold me on it. Completely sold me on it. He cut a hellacious promo. I asked him like three questions, and he spoke for like 35 minutes. It's just very angry and fired up, and it was glorious. But for you your interest levels in tomorrow's Bellator 280 event. And can, can, you pair, can you compare those interest levels to PFL3, which is about to kick off in a couple of hours, which, by the way, if you didn't know, Ray Cooper missed weight by five and a half pounds, and Magomed, Magomed Karamov is out of the tournament altogether, is out of the season altogether. So what do you think, Ben?
3: I'll say this much. I am more interested in Bader versus Congo than I have been for a Shek Congo fight in a while. It will be interesting to see him finally at the age of 63, you know, fight in Paris, you know, in front of a big crowd. But their first fight was already about as unexpected as uh, an outcome as you could have had because he was Congo was not the one committing the horrible foul to end the fight. Uh, So I I don't know how this one will possibly top that. I do have a certain amount of interest in Ryan Bader's continued relevance at heavyweight. So, I I mean, I am legitimately someone interested in the fight. I would say I'm more interested in this than anything going on over in PFL. Just the welterweight division, which is PFL's best division, is in a shambles now. Kayla Harrison is going to uh, make a Russian sambust into guacamole like – what's there to tune in for
4: all right that, Jed, that's me what on, there's uh, to tune in for you don't yeah, want to see you don't want to see a russian sambus be turned into guacamole that seems captivating frankly
3: well then pfl has got some stuff for you
4: and like, and and several seasons ben, worth then you're also forgetting the most important factor here Not only, not only can you watch Kayla Harrison do unspeakable things to another professional fistfighter, you get all the stats in the world to back up what your eyes are telling you that Kayla Harrison is in fact winning that fight because the smart cage is going to tell you everything you need to know about the speed of her ground punches, her control time, everything. So,
3: PFI's I'm sorry. Any cage that contains... A Kayla Harrison versus a Larissa Pacheco fight five times is not smart. It is a dumb cage,
4: and <laughs> dumb things incredible. happen in it. It's a very smart cage. It's it's the smartest of all the mixed martial arts fighting surfaces. It don't is a developmentally cage.
3: challenged cage. <laughs> it, it's it's strug- it's a struggle cage.
4: It has it has numbers, Ben. You can't. I'm sorry. Are you not? A, you don't you don't believe in math? We get a guy who doesn't believe in math here. Come on, this is nonsense. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs>
2: I don't believe yeah. that. All right, Jed. I mean I mean for, for those who missed it a couple of weeks ago, Jed is now part of the uh the PFL drafting committee. So he's basically sure. on, on the roster. Uh damage bar coming soon to uh to a PFL smart cage near you.
4: So I, can't I just need you to wait for the PFL next month when it's in Atlanta <laughs> and I can corner every person that works there and make them do the damage bar. <laughs> <It's> so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Sell me on
2: Bellator 280, Jed, from a, from a fan's perspective.
4: <laughs> Why? <It's, laughs> this card is garbo. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Ryan Bader and Czech Congo is a fist fight. Uh, if you like fist fights, you should tune in. That's. I mean maybe that's a bad way to phrase it. If you like what will probably be a lot of holding each other against the fence for long protracted periods and occasionally a big right hand um, and probably some knees to the groin, uh, then that's a great fight for you. Let's dial that one up. Uh, The co-main event is look, I'm well known as probably the single biggest you Romero backer in the world. I've said it many times. He obviously beat Robert Whittaker in their second fight. Uh, I I believe till my dying day, even though this one I recognize I'm wrong on, that he beat Israel Adesanya in their title fight. Love me Samuel Romero. He's 45 years old, um, and he is getting progressively less violent because that's what happens when father time comes for you. And so he throws about four punches in a round, and... This fight is probably going to be bad, uh, but you know, I'll always tune in for Yo Romero. Like, as bad as it is, it was better when this was Yo Romero Melvin Manhoof. Even though that fight is like actually morally reprehensible to book, that is a more entertaining fight than what we're probably going to get from Bellator on Friday. Um, I don't know who a lot of the other people on this are. Lorenz Larkin, pretty good fighter. Um, uh, Soren Bach is is Bach so that's that's exciting um yeah if you're wicking yet there are a lot of people who do not have wikipedia pages honestly it might be the most per capita non-wiki page card for a high level mma organization that i've seen all year so yeah it's um i'm gonna say it's the thing i always say mike uh if you have other plans friday don't don't cancel them. Go go enjoy your family. Um, that the new Doctor Strange movie is coming out. I hear it's okay. Go watch that and tune into to dot the best website in the world, and we will keep you up to date on all of the groin shots that Check Congo lands in the main event.
2: That will be me, right? I get to I get to do it solo.
4: I'm very excited. You about lucky this, so. lucky man.
2: I'm very excited did you excited to such uh, a good partake. job? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a lucky man. Last thing. This is the last one we're going to talk about and then we'll move on to the knockout round. Then buy or sell this targeted matchup for July 9th. Cody Garbrandt versus Ronnie Yaya.
3: I love that. That's, that is a two true outcomes fight either, Honey Aya is going to get absolutely potatoed by uh, still one of the hardest hitters pound for pound in the UFC. Or Cody Garbrandt is going to look like a goat being swallowed by a python as uh, Honey Aya just takes him down, takes his back and chokes him out. I love it. You know, old school matchup of specialists, clash of styles, surprisingly high amounts of divisional relevance. I love it. Make it happen.
2: Jed? Garbrandt, Yaya, July 9th. Fireworks still gonna be fireworking many days after the 4th of July to annoy people in small neighborhoods across the United States. Garbrandt, Yaya, buy or sell?
4: I I buy, I guess. I I don't know, like, what's the, who am I to be buying or selling? And like, this is a fight I will tune in for, if only because there's an outside possibility that Ronnie Yaya, of all people, can like clip and hurt. Cody Garbrandt, which would be maybe the funniest single outcome in the last four years of MMA. If Ronnie Yaya just like cracks him one, that would be hysterical. But this is probably, I mean, this fight is set up to be as soft of a softball as you can give Cody Garbrandt without bringing in somebody from the outside. Like, hey, this guy is going to have to take you down and doesn't hit very hard. So... Just just do your thing, Cody. We really want to get you back to where you're supposed to be. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good matchmaking because it serves a purpose and it will be great matchmaking if the funniest possible outcome happens.
3: <laughs> Over the course uh. of a storied career, Hani Aya has never even knocked anyone out by accident. Like even Damien yeah. Maya knocks people out by accident. If Cody Garbrand is the first, well, for one thing, that is the funniest is- thing in the world. It would be the funniest thing in the world. It would certainly be a tombstone on the chin of Cody Garbrandt uh, after the wars he's been in. It's like, oh, that, that's how far gone you are. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that as well.
4: 37-year-old Ronnie Haya uh, finding findin the power <laughs> it would be unbelievable.
2: It would be unbelievable. Just like this regulation round has been unbelievable. The point for round four goes to Goes to Ben Duffy. It's two to
3: two. Shocker. Ben, I think Mike I, determines these things in advance.
4: Uh, he does. Ben, I just went and looked because I believed you, but I sort of didn't. In 28 professional wins, he has zero TKOs. That is unbelievably funny.
3: He's the nicest man in the sport. He's never even accidentally hurt somebody.
4: It's just the best.
3: He just gives them a nice nap.
4: <laughs> it's just a backpack of a person.
3: Yep. Ah, oh, man.
2: Scott McCrate, big fan of this of this particular episode. So let's get into this thing. Let's go to the knockout round. One question, will decide it all. And uh, I didn't know what that question was going to be. And then all of a sudden I looked on our Slack channel. We have this big thread going on. And we saw a man who wasn't supposed to work today chime in. And it made my decision for me. So Jed, you were last week's winner. I wish I was paying attention in our Slack. Damn. Okay. <laughs> uh, you were last week's winner. Do you want to go first? Or do you want to pass this on over to Ben. Uh, I'll pass, sure why not alright, Ben, you get to go first, so you have one minute to, you're both gonna get the same question here, we're not gonna have any uh, let's make a deal doors or anything and you're not gonna be Ben Duffy here, you're gonna be Dana White Dana White alright, you're gonna set us you're gonna set us up for this press conference you're gonna give a little teaser of this press conference so you are Dana White Tony Ferguson is sitting not far from you And a journalist says to you, hey, Dana, Tony Ferguson had a lot of interesting things to say about you and the promotion that you are the president of. Care to respond to El Kikui Tony Ferguson? So as Dana White, go ahead. Give your response. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now.
3: Tony's crazy, and he says a lot of crazy things. I've known Tony for a long time. He's got his heart on his sleeve. Uh, you know, he says some things that I'm sure he means them in in the moment. But you know, we'll have a talk after this. We'll we'll have lunch, and we'll we'll get it all hashed out. Uh, really, I just don't think Nate Diaz wants to fight. You know, I can't make you fight. If you don't want to fight? Don't take the fight. Boxers are fucking overpaid. <laughs> Is that it next question
2: <laughs> all we right good? stop the clock all right guys thanks <laughs> 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 oh that was amazing normally I, i'm not a big fan of having 20 extra seconds left on the clock but that was that was really well done that was the greatest hits he got up walk away that was amazing uh, you turned me you turned me a little red I was laughing off screen. I was turning into a, a, I looked like a tomato. I turned you into Dana. Yeah, you turned me into Dana. Oh, man. All right, Jed. You got a a big hill to climb, my man. You've been climbing them all day and singing from them. One minute on the clock. Jed, Dana White, Mishu respond to Tony Ferguson calling you a drug dealer, bro. Go
4: feel great about this one because I had to watch that whole God-awful pivot interview and so I know exactly where Dana's at in this like stage of his mind so let me go here you know we live in a free country and I helped make it more free by selflessly defeating COVID and showing the way to defeat COVID for sports and it's a great part of America is you say whatever you want and frankly I think uh, whatever you guys are saying Tony said probably is not true uh, you've probably spun it and this is where Tony's like, No, I actually totally said that. It's like, No, I don't think that's true. Because uh, I've known Tony a long time, stand up guy. You know, that guy is a man. He says he's going to do something, he does it, uh, unless he trips on a wire backstage and really brings every one of our plans down. So, yeah, uh, you guys are just trying to stir some crap up. Because, like, you know, that's your job, you're the media. Uh, get that guy's credential out of here. Next question, please.
2: Man. All right. Two 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 totally different ways that this could go and two very real things that could happen today. So glad to see both of you. Glad to see that happen. There's E. Casey Lyden in the bottom right-hand corner. Now, normally Casey would have a very tough decision to make, but this is 2022. It's the dawn of a new era here on BTL. It's the People's Debate Show. So we, get it, we hand the power over to you. There's a poll that is in there. You have to vote right now. Last... Last chance. You got about 90 seconds. So get your votes in. Is it going to be Jed Mishu or is it going to be Ben Duffy? We'll see who gets it done right before UFC 274. Thank you for all of you who have watched this entire show. By the way, if you want to go back and check out UFC 274 programming, Jed's new show with GC, No Bets Barred. Go check that out. By the way, in the intro theme for that, No Bets Barred but we'll figure it out, no best part, no bets, part. Find it on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. And uh, the, the intro music to that show is absolute, it's fire. It slaps, Flames. it slaps. It's unbelievable. Uh, we will have a preview show tomorrow, I believe at 3 p.m. Eastern. We have the weigh-in show tomorrow, which is why AK has the day off, because he's gotta get ready. He's gotta get those chops ready to go to host the weigh-in show, which will be live right here on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. We got Bellator coverage. And then Saturday, we'll have the people's pre-fight show right before UFC 274. I believe the prelims are gonna start at 5.30 Eastern. So I think we're gonna roll maybe like 4.45. I don't know, TBD. And then we'll have all your post-fight coverage after that. And then AK and I will be live the next morning for on to the next one, right here on YouTube. So- Live Otno? Love a live on Live Otno. Otno. We do live Otno after the pay-per-views, except for 273, because I need to get the hell out of Jacksonville. Casey, we go to you, my man. Have the votes been tabbed? Have they been tabulated? All right. I think we have a winner. All right. Ending the. um, Get your votes in now, everyone.
3: All right. You're a winner. Oh, boy. This is... I always got to turn that music off. (laughs) (laughs) Always forget. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Closing the poll? Is it officially closed? Poll is closed.
0: Your winner with 53% of the votes is and still
3: undefeated Ben Duffy. gets it done.
2: The visiting team has just been coming in here. And pick it up wins on the MA Fighting Network. We have to do Ben versus Drake
3: for the love of God. I'm dropping this into a belt in the trash. I want Riggs. <laughs> I want Riggs. You're, you're there
2: never you go, gonna ben get it. Yeah, he's too busy. He's too busy on the road. He's a, he's a road warrior these days. Ben, nicely done. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. I think people are delighted. They wanted this matchup, and I don't think they were disappointed at all, so. You now have 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, indifferent, MMA-related, whatever you want to say. The floor is yours. It's a free country, Ben. Let's go.
3: It's a free country. Thanks to Dana White. Thanks to all of you who uh, watched. Hey, Jed, I'm going to be in Atlanta in a couple weeks. Let's get a beer. And uh, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I'm all done. There you go. Jed,
2: how do you feel about the decision?
4: Are Are you coming to the PFL in Atlanta or are you just coming to Atlanta?
3: Do I have to go to the PFL? Is that a requisite no. for me to step foot you in the super, city?
4: You super dumb. I just didn't know. But yeah, let's definitely go no. beer. No,
3: no, 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 no. I'm going there for fun, man. Not for PFL.
4: You know, fairly fun city. <laughs> so yeah, let's get a beer. Yeah.
3: Ah, I love Atlanta.
2: What a moment. What a moment. Welcome, welcome to Atlanta. Beautiful way to end home. the show. All right, I got to get ready. I got to drive to Hilton Head and go play two softball games in 95-degree weather. So I'm going to be like 40 pounds lighter tomorrow when you see me on the weigh-in show. But we are out of here, everybody. For Casey on the ones and twos, for Jed, for Ben, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. We'll be back here once again next week, live on Between the Links. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn will take you home. Good night, everybody.
0: This has Love been Between the Links. Congratulations, Ben. You're the best. You suck, Jed. You suck.
4: (laughs) Still better than Jose.
0: (laughs) Way better than Jose.
2: But you still suck. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel, the realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US, and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads,